Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents. You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio and this week will be a solo adventure. Unfortunately, Lore Mistress Mary was totally booked up this week. Uh, life beckons, life calls, and uh, we couldn't make it work to, to record together this week. But fear not, dear listener, Lore Mistress Mary will return next week as we continue our our deep dives into the lore and creatures and histories and and notable characters of Dungeons and Dragons. This week, um, we are going to discuss uh, a very important locale in Dungeons and Dragons, more specifically the Forgotten Realms campaign setting. We are going to discuss the library fortress known as Candlekeep. Now, Candlekeep has but one rule. And this is according to Volo's Guide to the Sword Coast. Candlekeep has but one absolute rule. Those who destroy knowledge with ink, fire, or sword are themselves destroyed. Volo goes on to say that here, books are more valuable than people. I mean, they they, they do say knowledge is power, after all. So, like I said, this is a famous library fortress it's on the Sword Coast. It's home to an amazing collection of books and scrolls of lore, of spells. And it's widely considered to be the greatest collection of writings in all of Faerun. It's the the logistics of it, the 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 form it takes. It's it's a many towered citadel. There's towers all over the place of different sizes. Uh, this many-towered citadel of learning stands on a volcanic horn, a, a crag of sorts, overlooking the sea, and as one approaches, this is what they'll see. The path you travel rises steeply through twists and turns as it climbs a crag of ancient basalt. The dozen towers of the fortress ahead blazed with points of flickering light, 
candles in innumerable windows that create the illusion of night sky in the dark stone, set against the backdrop of twilight and the first stars of evening out over the sea of swords. As you near the gates of the citadel, faint chanting is carried on the evening breeze, the endless litany of Alondo's prophecies that have yet to come to pass. We will get to who Alondo is and exactly what is being chanted. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, of the of Candlekeep. Okay, so this path that you travel is also known as the Way of the Lion. And so uh, Candlekeep, uh, it has enormous double gates, which stand three times as tall as, as a normal man. So, you know, roughly 20 feet tall or so. Uh, and they're forged from this strange black metal. And each of these doors is uh, has the sigil of Candlekeep, which is the image of the castle with flames set atop each of its towers. Now, once you get inside, the central and highest fortress of the keep is surrounded by a terraced rock garden of many trees, a courtyard known as the Court of Air, where natural springs rise and bubble down the rocks in small cascades and pools. Very beautiful, actually. Uh, these beautiful grounds descend to a ring of buildings along the inside of the massive outer walls. Here you will find uh, guest houses, stables, granaries, a warehouse, uh, an infirmary, uh, a temple to Agma, and shrines to several deities as well. Now, beyond the Court of Air is the inner ward of Candlekeep which is behind what's known as the Emerald Door. It's this magnificent and magically protected door. Uh, and additionally, there's another ward that prohibits, and you can't even get, I mean, the, the door itself is warded and protected by magic, but there's another ward on top of that that prohibits entry into the inner rooms, except to those that have a specific token that's associated with the ward. So you can't, unless you have this, this charm, this token of sorts, uh, with with a specific symbol on it, you can't even get inside. And why? Because the inner ward houses the great library of Candlekeep and where the most powerful magical tomes are kept. And it's someplace that no one aside from the great readers may go. And we'll discuss who the great readers are here in a moment. Uh, except in the direct company of the keeper or the first reader. So unless you're a great reader, you're not getting in unless you're with the keeper or the first reader. And again, we'll get into who all of these people are. Along with the great repository of knowledge known far and wide across the realms, the inner ward also houses the personal living quarters of the avowed. So the avowed is a group of renowned scholars and people of learning. Uh, they're essentially the monks of this church of knowledge this group they revere the great seer alondo who once called candle keep home again there's that name like we'll get to him because he's pretty dope uh and his collection of prophecies are housed within the keeps walls and they foresaw many events in the history of the forgotten realms and i know we love uh talking about the years of the uh the names of the years how cool the names are and how they kind of uh, foretell what the year will be about. 
Uh, and Agathra the Mad uh, is credited with having named most of them, but Alondo actually, through his prophecies, has named, has added on to the list as well. Uh, so the Avowed, so this this community of monks is ruled by the Keeper of the Tomes. So they're the Keeper of the Tomes, they're first in charge. They they rule the roost, and they are assisted by the first reader. So think of it like a president, vice president sort of situation. Uh, the first reader is the second in authority and traditionally the most learned sage of the monastery. So the current keeper of the tomes is Janusi, a human follower of Denir, who is the neutral god, lesser god, or no, neutral good, lesser deity of art, of cartography, of glyphs, images, knowledge, literature, scholars. So very much in, you know, someone who would uh, would be a, a follower of this deity would be right at home at Candlekeep. And the current first reader, the second in charge, is Skoda Valanister, aka Bookworm with a Y. Uh, and they are a green dragonborn, hence the nickname Bookworm. Uh, then there are up to eight great readers under these two offices. So like I said before, in the inner ward, only the great readers and the Keeper of the Tomes and the First Reader are allowed in the Inner Keep. Uh, unless, and someone else can be allowed, but they have to be accompanied by the Keeper or the First Reader. So in this case, Janusi or Skoda. So then the eight great readers, they're assisted by the Chanter, the Guide, and the Gate Warden. No Key Master, uh, unfortunately, from Ghostbusters. Uh, so the Chanter leads the endless chant of Alondo's prophecies that and wend its way through the citadel day and night in continuous utterance of the sage's predictions. He is aided in this duty by three assistants, the voices, the voice of the north, the voice of the east, and the voice of the south. And I've in my research, I found that sometimes there is a voice of the west. So the chanter, they essentially, all the prophecies that have yet to come to pass they chant those continuously day and night and should a prophecy you know come true or it's learned that it has come true it is then dropped from the chanting you know ritual and so just how eerie is that to like to walk into this place and just hear this monotonous constant chanting you know morning day and night so that's the chanter now the guide is in charge of teaching acolytes so almost like the head uh, the head uh, teacher, the head mistress. Uh, and then the gate warden deals with the visitors is also the security, um, deals with security and also uh, handles supplies for the community within Candlekeep and with the clergy who are regarded as honored guests rather than you know part of the monastery's hierarchy. And so uh, the physical security of the keep is like I said, handled by the gate warden who has five under officers and they wear robes of brown homespun. So the gate warden has four watchers who take turn patrolling the monastery and watching the land and sea around from its tallest towers, as well as the keeper of the portal who is the gate guard. And so then all five of these, the four watchers and the one keeper each have 12 armed monks who are all experienced warriors as assistants. So you've got, you've got, uh, I'm not good at math, 60 
uh, armed monks ready to take anyone down. So it it stands a reason breaking in or getting away with anything in Candlekeep is you'd be hard pressed to do so. So the acolytes are like you know not the bottom of the barrel in the in the most pejorative of sense, but they are you know the lowest of the monks. They're robed in black, um, uh, and seekers wear robes of mauve, and they're they essentially perform tasks of research, uh, fetch and carry. They're gophers essentially. They're you know they're starting out. They're 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 barely beginning in the hierarchy of candlekeep, and then over them are the aforementioned chanters and readers from whose ranks the offices of the avowed are filled. And they vote to fill these vacancies as well. Holders of the higher offices wear robes of various colors that bear adornments of gold, uh, stripes of white, but only the keeper of the tomes can wear robes of all white. And in fact, travelers who enter the keep uh, clad in all white can be expected to either be stripped on the spot or cast out. So you're not, it's not wearing white in, uh, in Candlekeep unless you're the keeper of the tomes. So the Citadel bears many mighty uh, wards that prevent anything from burning. Obviously it's a, it's a, it's a place filled with books, filled with paper. So it prevents anything from burning except for wicks and wax. Uh, it prevents the operation of any sort of teleportational magic, uh, any uh, dimension door, any teleport spell, and many other destructive spells um, are also warded against. They also have um, wards against uh, mold and insects. Uh, it says such as paper wasps. Uh, and also prohibits the entry of uh, actual bookworms uh, and have other numerous secret properties. And so because of these wards, candle lamps are often used since, like I said, no paper can ignite anywhere in the keep. Uh, candle keep is even protected by a singular mythal known as the Great Shield, a barrier of elven magic that can be activated by the Keeper of Tomes if ever needed. And except in cases of illness or when someone joins the order as an acolyte, no visitor can remain in Candlekeep for more than 10 days at a time or enter the monastery less, you know, once again, less than a month after leaving it. So some very strict rules about, you know, how to get in, how long you can stay, when you can come back. Uh, so how do you get in in the first place? How, how are you allowed entry into this into this place? So Volo mentions the price of entry into Candlekeep is a book, uh, a tome of immense value, of great rarity, or significant historical importance that they can add to their collection. And while shrewd gatekeepers typically accepted books uh, worth no less than a thousand gold pieces, books containing some particularly insightful annotations or journals, you know, personal journals of important people have been accepted before. In the past, however, a petitioner not only had to, you know, present the entrance gift to get into the library, but also had to present a seal of a renowned wizard, almost as a like a as a cosign to get in. And I found this very funny that there was a period of time when the wizards Kelvin 
and none other than Elminster himself were, you know, quote, on probation uh, from being allowed to co-sign to petition other people to get in um, after agents bearing their symbols engaged in a magical duel in the general reading room. So they have a elite group labeled Friends of Candlekeep who were allowed entrance into the into the library without offering any kind of entrance gift. Uh, among these select individuals were certain archmages, uh, priests of certain deities such as uh, Agma and Gond, along with both local and high heralds alike. And those who wish to browse in the library must be normally, uh, like I said, normally sponsored by a known mage of power. So many of these books given to Candlekeep in payment are usually minor spell books. And so this is how this is how Candlekeep procures all the books and tomes and scrolls that are you know in its in its possession. Uh, while other books are also procured by the avowed through you know regular purchasing, or they can even commission agents in great secrecy to find writings they desire to possess. So essentially, you know, like eBay, um, you know, going to uh, half price books and finding stuff. Essentially, how I get all my old uh, D and D and TTRPG books, uh, as indicated above by Elminster's probation, the mage is held responsible. So whatever mage co-signs, whatever mage petitions for this individual or this group, they are held responsible for the action of that individual or group while they are in Candlekeep. Uh, the library attracts adventuring traffic in the form of individuals seeking advice, answers, information, as well as those seeking copies of maps or records, or just general browsers, you know, looking for clues to adventure and to hidden treasure. And in fact, there's a sort of a cottage industry within Candlekeep. Like one could uh, seek sage advice at the cost of 2,000 gold pieces per day. Uh, you could even copy something from the library at the rate of 100 uh, gold pieces for every non-magical book or scroll or 10,000 gold pieces for any magical text. Uh, there's also, like I said, it's a community in and of itself. So you have different establishments within the, you know, within the, uh, the premises that, you know, that, uh, that service, you know, whoever may be coming in and out. Uh, you have uh, a Rudite Outfitters and Clothiers, which is a, a tailor's uh, tailor shop. You have Pillars of Pedagogy, which is the grouping of towers in which the avowed research the requests brought to them by seekers. You have uh, Smithy and Stables, an establishment run by the dwarf Carol Hammerbein that offers uh, smithing and stabling services, even for more exotic flying mounts. You have the hearth, which is the can which candle keeps grand eating hall that allows its guests to mingle with one another. And then you've also got stuff like the house of rest, like which is just a simple three-story uh bunk room that provides lodging for many of the keep seekers. So candle keep is is very much more than just a library fortress because you know it's it's almost uh like you know, like like an amusement park of sort of it's like a it's a it's a destination site of sorts. So like when people travel there, you know they they still have to eat, they still have to sleep, they still have to get, uh, you know, uh, clothing 
you know, patched up perhaps or, or weapons, you know, resharpened or even, you know, made. And so you have, you know, people within Candlekeep that can provide those services. And so we're going to jump to the middle of the show really quickly. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Alondo. We're going to talk about this, this famous Alondo whose prophecies are being chanted day in and day out as well as some other historical occurrences that happen within the walls of Candlekeep. Welcome to the middle of the show. Of course, the middle of the show is where we thank our patrons, uh, plug all of our social medias, bring up any recent D&D news, as well as take a dive into the DMs Guild to see what kind of fun homebrew action we can get into. So, First and foremost, we want to thank our patrons, each and every one of them, uh, and give a special shout out to our newest patron, Josh H. Thank you so much for signing up at the wizard level. So not only will Josh get uh, early ad-free episodes, Josh will also get uh, all of the bonus content, the patron pluses, the bonus episodes, as well as the, thanks to being a wizard level patron, Josh will be able to join the D&D Lorecast every month on the patron roundtable to discuss all the wacky, fun, and cool topics that we discuss week, uh, month in and month out. So once again, thank you to Josh H. for signing up. If you are interested in um, the stuff that I mentioned or uh, merchandise or any any of the other perks and benefits that we have, you can check out patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. Every cent of every dollar goes back into making the show bigger and better and it'd be a it'd be a great way to to support us if you if you are so inclined uh and if you still want to support the show in other ways you can do so you know five star reviews on spotify or apple podcasts uh you know like following us on social media just about everywhere we are dnd lorecast uh, you can join the robots radio network discord where we're always talking something D&D related on the D&D Lorecast text channel. And you can tell tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell someone who you think would be interested in you know, deep dives into the lore of D&D. Now, that being said, let's jump into a bit of the news. Now, these have already been released, the uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, D&D Dicelings. But I found uh, where Hasbro announced other D&D-related uh, merchandise including a D&D Honor Among Thieves Monopoly set, as well as the Bedlam and Neverwinter and the Yawning Portal board games. Now, these games are recommended for ages uh, players ages 12 years and up, and anywhere from, two, from one player up to six players. Uh, they should be available now, actually. One uh, Bedlam and Neverwinter is, says late January, and... Uh, the yawning portal says spring 2023. So definitely some board game action going on in D and D there's a link to the article in the show notes, if you want to check those out. And then what do we have in the DMS guild? Well, what's cool about this one, we're talking about candle keep. And so I found Elminster's candle keep companion. Now what's cool about this is uh, back in the early days of the show, when Tom and Stuart were at the helm, they actually interviewed a couple of the folks responsible for this book. Uh, Anthony Joyce Rivera and Justice Armin were uh, were a couple of the folks who worked on this. 
as well as the man himself, Ed Greenwood. So Elminster's Candlekeep Companion uh, invites you to explore the grandest repository of knowledge in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, the book is the definitive guide to Candlekeep and includes the first ever comprehensive map. Dungeon Masters can find a history and overview of Candlekeep developed in consultation with Ed Greenwood, creator of the Forgotten Realms. It has new variant rules, 26 new magic items, and 11 new creatures that are found in the library fortress. Uh, players can create characters for four new subclass options. It has 34 new spells, and they can embark on stories involving the Castle of Tomes and lore held within. Elminster's Candlekeep Companion also includes an adventure for use in Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, which is written by M.T. Black. Now you can have all that. The PDF is only $14.95. I mean, for something that, that literally ha not only has the stamp of approval by Ed Greenwood himself, but actually has contributions from him. I mean, you can't, you can't beat that no matter what you say. I mean, it's, it's for that price. It's, it's a steal. So again, there will be a link in the show notes to that. Pick it up from the DMs guild. Uh, it's got 78 ratings, four and a half stars. It's definitely worth the money. So we are going to jump back into the lore. Uh, let's see what Alondo, what Alondo has to say. Welcome back to our lore dive on Candlekeep. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Alondo, who uh, whose history is very much intertwined with the history of Candlekeep itself, as well as some of the other historical events that took place at the famous library fortress. So it's often mistakenly thought that Candlekeep was originally the citadel of Alondo the Seer, uh, but the Keep actually uh, predates Alondo by, um, by a couple hundred years, actually, because Alondo didn't show up at Candlekeep until uh, the year of Clinging Death, 75 DR. And um, Candlekeep was actually founded negative uh, 200 DR in the year of the Stone Rising. Uh, but the location of his own personal tower, which was actually small and humble, is now lost to time. And so Alondo arrives at Candlekeep to study the writings that are already there. And while he was there, gets a reputation for the visions that he has, visions of the future. So Alondo is this quiet, learned man of unknown origins, although some, you know, comments in, made in conversations, just sort of like stray comments, uh, led colleagues, colleagues to believe that he grew up uh, somewhere along the Sword Coast, somewhere in a Sword Coast port city. And like I mentioned earlier, Londo extended the role of years greatly by naming many of the years in the far future and adding to the work that Agathra the Mad had started. So while at Candlekeep, this belief arose that Alondo uh, dreamed and quote-unquote saw these future events, um, but had to work through repeated dreamings to place them precisely in time. So essentially he had to dream the same thing a few times to get a better context for it. You know, some say um, gods inspired him or that he was the secret avatar of one of the gods. Uh, but, you know, no one knew for sure. And in all actuality, he was the final follower 
of the imprisoned god Savras the All-Seen. And it was Savras who showed Alondo visions of that which would come to pass. But Alondo didn't even know this himself. He only ever knew it as what he called the voice, an unidentified presence within him that inspired his prophecies. He said, It has been given to me to see glimpses of the future, moments of the measureless time that lie ahead. And so one of Alondo's earliest prophecies uh, known to be fulfilled was actually first foreseen by someone else and then carried out by Alondo himself. So it was during this period that the monks of Candlekeep, the avowed, sought a means of protecting the library from fire, from vermin, and all deliberate forms of destruction that had not uh, they, they had not settled on any kind of solution. So this is before all the the magical wards, all that stuff that kept you know paper from burning on the premises. And Alondo uh, prophesied that a young man, the first of many, would give his life, would give himself to the library and become a part of it forever, thus guarding it from harm and evil. So soon after, a young man by the name of Bairn asked for an audience with Alondo and revealed that he also had had a similar vision about uh, a Tende, which is how they break, how uh, Forgotten Realms, the, the Harptoes calendar breaks up their weeks. Instead of seven days, they have 10 days. And it's it's called a 10-day, appropriately enough. Uh, look, the years have fantastic off-the-wall names. Let's just call let's just call it a 10-day a 10-day. Come on. Uh so Baron has the same vision that you know that uh, a young man would would give their life to the library. Uh and in the vision, a divine messenger told Baron that this would require the life of one who truly believed in what Candlekeep stood for. But Baron, he doubted his own worthiness and kept it to himself. Like he felt like this, they might be talking about me, but surely it's not. I, I, I'm not worthy of that sort of that honor. Uh, and so after years, uh, or I'm sorry, after hours of discussion, Alondo left Baron alone in his private chambers. And when the seer returned and to resume holding audiences, Baron was gone. And no one knew where he where he left to. No one knew what happened. But Alondo only smiled and declined to answer what had become of him. So Alondo lives his life, and following his death, Candlekeep becomes a sanctuary of not only knowledge, but also of his own prophecies, revering them and dedicating itself to the preservation of those, as well as all available knowledge. Still, though, uh, even though he has passed this mortal coil, uh, Alondo lives on, however, as a weave ghost. Now, a weave ghost is a is a spirit of a person who has become one with the weave after their death. And despite being part of the weave, the spirit maintains their sentience and their individuality. Uh, as far as the physical aspect of Alondo's body, his skull has become a priceless relic venerated by the faithful of Denier, of Agma, of, of Savras, and uh, of course, by the avowed of Candlekeep. And it was said that the bearer of the skull, so whoever had possession of the skull, could speak directly to Alondo using a speak with dead spell, 
no matter how many centuries has passed. Like, keep in mind, like, Alondo arrived at Candlekeep in 75 DR. We are now approaching the 16th century DR. We are, I believe we're now in the late 1400s in the Forgotten Realms, the official Forgotten Realms timeline. And so, uh, and this is possible, being able to speak to Alondo through his skull, this is, uh, and really this is possible because Alondo exists as a weave ghost, but that weave ghost is tied to the skull. And, you know, and he did never necessarily, you don't necessarily need to speak with a dead spell. He could actually speak through his skull whenever he wants. Uh, and he, uh, though, but he no longer has his prophetic ability. So uh, if you're speaking to Alondo, the weave ghost through Alondo's, the skull, uh, you're not going to get any insights into the future, unfortunately. Uh, and it was rumored that Alondo's, Alondo's skull was stolen shortly after his death and was lost. Uh, it was searched for by mind flayers. It was rumored to be for sale in various markets around Faerun. And it, it has a very much, uh, a very much like Jack and the Beanstalk sort of vibe to it. Like, you know, uh, the husband comes home from the, the flea market <laughs> from the secondhand store. And like, honey, honey, I bought a Londo skull. Uh, and, you know, she is upset with him and turns out that it is a uh, Londo skull. And, you know, he um, is met upon by a uh, a group of mind flayers sent to retrieve it by any means necessary and then at the last moment there he's rescued by uh by a adventuring party uh hired by candlekeep the the story writes itself folks it's not you know it's not rocket surgery this, this is i've given you right there off the dome at at the very least a one shot adventure if not you know the part of a larger campaign so that's that's the that's Alondo. So what else, you know, uh, you know, like I said, the history of Alondo and the history of Candlekeep are very much intertwined. But what about you know other historical occurrences at Candlekeep? So in the year 1368 DR, in the year of the banner, the sage Gorion and his ward Abdel leave Candlekeep for the way of the lion. So and this is important because Abdel Adrian is a ball spawn. Ball spawn is uh, essentially a child of the evil deity ball. Uh, and Abdel was raised by his foster father, Gorion, in Candlekeep, unaware of his divine heritage. Then the threat of another ball spawn, Saravak Anchev, forced the pair, forced Gorion and Abdel to flee the fortress. But a little while, you know, a little bit down the road, they are found by Saravak and his henchmen. Gorion fought off the attackers, giving Abdel the chance to flee, and was subsequently killed by by the by the villains. Uh, Anchev then infiltrated the Great Library during his quest for power and immortality, and filled Candlekeep's catacombs with doppelgangers that masqueraded as citizens of the fortress along with those who were also significant to his sibling, or I guess like half-sibling, and fellow Ballspawn Abdel, including his late foster father, Gorion. So you've got Anchev uh, enacting this plan, using doppelgangers to impersonate Gorion, plus a bunch of other folks, to achieve this goal of immortality. Another historical event that took place at Candlekeep was during the calamitous Second Sundering that racked the Sword Coast, uh, Candlekeep was beleaguered by wealthy citizens attempting to purchase shelter within the walls 
or um, foreign envoys who demanded arcane knowledge to shield themselves from the growing threats within the Forgotten Realms. Uh, numerous monks of the avowed uh, began to disappear as a result of the years-long campaign of infiltration perpetrated by agents of the Shadowvar. And then in the year of the Nether Mountain Scrolls, 1486 DR, Candlekeep was literally besieged by a host of devils from the Nine Hells, led by a mage devoted to none other than Asmodeus. And then the next year, so this is like one after the other, the next year, Candlekeep suffers an aerial assault carried out by a woman riding atop a black dragon, mysteriously attempting to go after one of the long abandoned towers. Now, this this little snippet is literally that that's that's all that's available. That's the only information available. It's it's written as uh, almost an aside in the uh, in the Herald book written by Ed Greenwood as part of the Sundering series. Uh, and it's just like I said, it just it just mentions this woman who uh, is riding on this dragon on this black dragon and is trying to go after one of these towers. And that's all that's left. And if that ain't some world building, if that ain't world building by the man himself, then I don't know what is. It's just just a little snippet of information that gets at least gets my imagination going. Like, what is in that tower? What is so important to this woman that uh, that they would or perhaps what is more uh, important to this black dragon that they would attack Candlekeep and try to go after it? And so then just a few days after that, uh, the continued efforts of several parties seeking to gain control of the magical weave energy that is stored in Candlekeep's various wards, uh, it comes to a violent conclusion. And we discussed these events uh, during the second Sundering episode. And again, they take place during uh, in, in the novel, The Herald. So while the uh, sage Elminster strives to personally guard over the wards of Candlekeep, Laurel and uh, illustrious Silverhand of the Moonstars, two of the Seven Sisters, which again, the Seven Sisters is an episode that we have to do at some point. Uh, uh, they're, the, the lore behind that is fantastic. Uh, so uh, the, the two of these Seven Sisters seek to destroy the wards in order to prevent them from being used by Shar and the Princes of Shade. So Elminster is trying to protect the wards to protect Candlekeep, the the uh, Moonstar sisters are trying to destroy the wards to keep them out of even more dangerous hands. And just as the Shadowvar begin their attack, they are met by the great readers of the Avowed. And they have this epic spell battle, this fantastic, great spell battle. And uh, the Ages of Shadowvar are beaten back. You know, the, the great readers of the Avowed uh, went out in this battle. And so after the spell battle has broken out, the Lich Larlock reveals himself to the monks of the keep and deceives Elminster into essentially handing over control of all the power of the wards. Again, all that, all this stuff is found in the book, the Herald uh, highly recommended as, as well as the rest of the Sundering series. Uh, this is when it, when you talk like epic globe shaking stuff, it doesn't get much bigger than the second Sundering and it's uh, the six book series that accompanied it. And so there you have it. There's Candlekeep, uh, there's Alondo, uh, there's there's dragons, there's Elminster popping up, of course. I mean, you can't really have much of anything going on in the Forgotten Realms without Elminster somehow being involved. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for allowing the Dungeons and Dragons lore cast to be a part of your life, even for this short amount of time. Mary will be back with us next week. So fear not. We'll be back to the um, great slash awful puns, depending on how you look at the, you know, if, if you love puns, they're the best. If you're not a fan of puns, well, then uh, I, I don't know what to tell you that we get a lot of them when Mary's on the show and then we, and we're, we're better off for it. Thank you so much again for listening. My name is Sergio, and on behalf of Mary, fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.